5% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. And while there are waves wherever there is water, there is one spot on the planet that shapes surf culture unlike any other. That spot is a reef on the north shore of Oahu known as Pipeline. You've probably heard of it. There's songs about it. There's a lot of stuff about Pipeline. Generations of surfers watched Pipeline break, but it wasn't until 1961 that someone dared to surf it. A man by the name of Phil Edwards. For a decade after that, few people risked their lives to surf pipe. And when they did so, they did it with a posture that uh, was indicative of the danger. They were just holding on, (laughs) trying to survive. For a long time, people took off a pipe and took that stance. Just tried to tried to hold on. There were no tricks. Everyone rode for survival to get across that wave. That was until a local teenager named Jerry Lopez came along. Jerry was and is the epitome of cool. He had long brown hair in the early 70s with a big, thick mustache. He's super trim. You pretty much only saw him in trunks and lay back with, like, no expression on his face. When Jerry Lopez dropped into a wave at Pipeline, he was calm and relaxed, his arms at his side. While everyone else tried to outrun the wave, Jerry Lopez stood up straight and actually stalled so that the wave would throw over him and detonate around him, breaking so violently that the impact of the wave sent a cannon of mist shooting out through the hollow space, through the barrel of the wave, and fired Lopez out like heavy artillery. For his poise and expertise, Jerry Lopez earned the name Mr. Pipeline. Mr. Pipeline. For decades, he was the image of surfing's best and the icon of the North Shore, and particularly the icon of Pipeline. It is hard to imagine a person more tied to a particular place. However, as Jerry Lopez got married and had a family and he watched his children grow, the costs of living on the north shore of Oahu rose 
Very high. Jerry Lopez, Mr. Pipeline, and his family were faced with a heartbreaking decision. They would have to leave Hawaii and move to the mainland in order to make ends meet. They chose Bend, Oregon as their destination. Yeah, it's a nice place. Mr. Pipeline was not only away from the North Shore, not only away from Hawaii, not only away from the best surf on the planet, but he was living away from the coast. (laughs) So what did Jerry Lopez, the coolest surfer of all time, do? He adapted. He started snowboarding. He practiced yoga. He set up a shop where he could shape surfboards for the long list of people who wanted some part of his legacy. He was working with his hands. Sounds like someone from Oregon, right? He kayaked and stand-up paddled the rivers and the lakes of central Oregon. Mr. Pipeline became Mr. Oregon. You've heard the phrase, bloom where you are planted. That is what Jerry Lopez did. And that is what Jesus did. Over and over again, both scripture and the people of Jesus' time deride Nazareth as a podunk backwater village. His own disciple, his own compatriot, one of his closest friends, Nathaniel, asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus, of course, takes that lemon heritage and makes lemonade. This morning, the boy who left and made good of himself comes back. He comes home. Right? This is a homecoming story. And again, this is part one of a two-part series. If you know the ending, hang on a second. Stick with just this passage. It's important to note that Jesus hasn't really done anything in Luke's gospel at this point, right? In Luke, we have Jesus' baptism, we have the infancy narrative, then we have Jesus' baptism, then the temptations, and then this, right? Jesus comes back to Nazareth after his baptism, after his temptations, and he reads an amalgam of verses from Isaiah. A couple different verses, verse 6, 61, verse 1, 58, verse 6, 61, verse 2, kind of a weird conglomeration. And then he makes this declaration. He reads them out and says, today this scripture has been fulfilled. And the key term in this announcement is the word today. Today, now, here. Last week we talked about Dr. King's urgent now, which he described in his article in the New York Times Magazine, the article called, In a Word, Now. No more delay. Justice delayed is justice denied. Right? Do we remember this from last week? 
those of you who weren't here, you've heard this before, you get a sense of this. That is what Jesus is talking about today, justice. Good news to the poor, release to the captives, the oppressed go free. Jesus says that happens today. A divine future is dawning today. The beloved community is now, the kingdom of heaven is near. And all of this, all of this is, is a collective change, right? This is not just a personal change. This is something for the whole, for the community, living into the group. A few weeks ago, we talked about the theological concept in curvatus in se. Curved in on oneself. Right When our thoughts turn inward on ourselves as opposed to outward, as opposed to oriented toward our neighbors and toward God, right? This outward focus, the striving of loving God and neighbor, opening up like a flower blossoming. Revealing the true self by orienting outward, by looking to how I can help those outside myself, by looking toward a blooming justice that can bloom now, bloom here, bloom where we are planted. Now, don't hear what I am not saying. I am not saying that every situation is good. I'm not saying that you should just adapt to whatever is happening. Obviously, plants cannot bloom if they're undernourished or maltreated, right? Right? Okay. What I am saying is that the promise of goodness should not be delayed. I'm saying that the outward gaze is essential to human flourishing. That is what the Israelites experience in our Old Testament reading today. Nehemiah, this passage, were you guys listening? Did you hear it? Did you hear that bit at the end? The people cried when they heard the law. When was the last time that you cried while you were reading the law? I know Deuteronomy, it's a real tearjerker. (laughs) But there's a reason for this. The people cried. They cried because they understood what the law described. It was, in King's terms, the beloved community. A community where everyone participates in the greater good. A community where no one is left behind. Remember, the law describes novel concepts like Sabbath and Jubilee. Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. It's the year at the end of seven cycles of seven years, right? It was a time in which the land was returned. No Land was harvested during this time. It all went fallow. It's a time of environmental restoration. 
It was also a time when all property was returned to the original owners or to their heirs. It was a time when slaves were freed. It was a time of release for the captives. Time when the oppressed went free. A time of good news for the poor. Does that sound familiar? The Israelites who had lived for hundreds of years in captivity who sang like we sang this morning, how can we sing our Lord's song in a strange land? Now, they have finally been allowed to return to their home, return to their promised land, to Jerusalem, and they find the city in ruins. Not recently destroyed like totally destroyed and left for centuries, right? The place that they write about, the place that they read about is in ruins. And sitting there among the ruins, they hear Ezra reading about this beloved community, the grandeur of the temple, and all that took place, and they imagined what it might be like. And it brought tears to their eyes. Likewise, hundreds of years later, the people of Nazareth, people who lived in an occupied land, people who lived within eyesight of a Roman base, heard the words of the prophet and remembered what it is to hope. They remembered that they lived in a land of inheritance. They remembered that change could come today. They turned from inward suffering to outward Bloom. We, sisters and brothers, have this opportunity today to curve our hearts outward, to bring good news to the poor, to live into the inheritance of now. Because this is our home. And this is our time. And that is the work ahead of us. To bloom where we are planted. Amen.